stupid movie again. I don't. Oh, hi. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Jib. This bi-weekly podcast is about the many and varied schemes of the many and varied U.S. law enforcement and intelligence agencies, organizations, and committees, and how they are stupid and funny. Join us on our merry journey through space and time. Hi, my name is Barry, and you might know me from not being on Twitter anymore because they suspended me permanently for reasons I don't understand because they never told me, but I'm fine. Don't worry, everything's fine. Yeah, apparently wordy is offensive, right? Oh, I don't know. All I did in the last week was my Wordle results, so Wordle is offensive. Oh, Wordle, but... yeah. Mm. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Seamus. Uh, you may know me as uh, middle-aged Ken from the deleted scenes of Barbie. Uh, hey, everybody. Okay. We're not here to talk about Barbie. Yeah. Despite the fact that I wrote a whole episode about Barbie and explaining how she's a CIA asset who turned Russian. No, we're not using that one, apparently. We're going to do this one instead about Oppenheimer. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a little too close. I mean, I think we get in trouble. Just saying. Let me know in the chat if you want to hear the Barbie episode. Actually, this is all code for... Never mind. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, today we are going to chat about the subject of one of the summer's blockbusters. Uh, originally, I had suggested that we covered the MiG-2, but uh, Barbie convinced me that that was, you know, CIA Did documentary. Just Barbie. Huh? Did you just call I me Barbie? I did call you, but Barbie convinced me. Oh, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> <Okay>. Barbie. <laughs> sorry, Barbie. <laughs> okay. Just so everybody bar should Barbie from now on. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. We're good. What's up, Barbie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Latin bar -bye. From the Latin yeah. Barbie. The Latin Barbie. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we decided that we, we better wait. Uh, anyway, so today we're going to focus on uh, J, uh, J, I almost said JP, J, uh, J Robert Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Uh, of course. Yep. Uh, of course, before uh, Killian Murphy uh, brought him to life on the screen, Oppenheimer was well known for his contributions in the mechanics, or, sorry, quantum mechanics and nuclear physics. Look at him. That's Killian Murphy was a good cast for that, wasn't yeah. he? So, yeah. hot piece of ass right there, man. <laughs> okay. Anyways. I would have gone with that, but okay. <laughs> he has a striking look. He, he definitely does. Uh, his most uh, notable and controversial achievement uh, being the successful development of the atom bomb. Mm. So uh, now, what's that? Yeah, I Sorry. was agreeing. I said yes. Okay. Sorry, you just have so much pushback today, Barry. I'm just waiting for a fight. Jeez. Ah. Anyway. Was, uh, this, I would have been much more animated and involved if we did my Barbie is a CIA asset script. I know, I know, I know. Just give it time. Give it time. Okay. Uh, now you may uh, not know this, uh, but prior to uh, playing with Fat Man and Little Boy, uh, Jay Robbie was a bloody communist. Uh, Conrad, sorry, Comrade Open the House, uh, was known to attend various leftist events, supported anti-fascist causes in the 1930s. He once claimed that he had been a member of about just, sorry, just about every communist front organization on the West Coast. He did. He did say that, but he also uh, said that he was joking. Right. So uh, which, I don't know. Uh... Yep. Which kind of makes sense because that being said, it appears that none of the U.S. intelligence agencies were able to make that connection. So, oh, okay. you know, uh, still, even if uh, he can't, uh, we can't be sure uh, that he had the prestige of a card-carrying member of the Communist Party. Many of peeps. Whereas the kids would say balls deep. Balls deep um, in yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. This includes his brother Frank, Frank's girlfriend, uh, Jean uh, Tatlock, uh, J. Rob's wife, uh, Kathleen, aka Kitty. Uh, so, yeah. So wait, wait. So all the people, folks. his brother and the brother's girlfriend and uh, his wife, Oppenheimer's wife, were all definitely members of the Communist Party. Yep. Oh, okay. But he wasn't. That's what. Okay. That's what it says. So, yeah, sure. That's what's in the script, man. You wrote So now we're on the WW2, uh, also known as the Wrath of Bad Mustaches. The Wrath uh, of Bad Mustaches. Yeah, it was. It was. It's in full swing by the. Did you write that? The Wrath of Bad Mustaches. <laughs> yes, yes. That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, so uh, Jay, to the power of Rob, uh, would begin work for, for, for the U.S. government. As previously discussed in our episode on the Palmer Raids, America already experienced its first Red Scare. You should definitely go, when you're finished looking at this, go and look at our episode on the Palmer Raids. It is interesting and funny. Uh, W2 uh, not only led to the Battle of Dunkirk, but it also led to a, part, uh, to a pact with the Soviet Union. Still, many in power in America were still suspicious of alleged communists. Uh, General Leslie Groves Jr., who is chilling there oh. with, with uh, up and up and up. He's in uh, this Groves guy was the guy in the military guy in charge of the atomic bomb project, right? Yep, yep. Played right. by Matt Damon uh, in the movie, so I don't know about okay. that cast. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure if, sure if Groves is alive today, he'd be more than okay with being cast. <laughs> Matt Damon, but you know, uh, Groves is aware of Oppenheimer's communist associations, but didn't consider them a major problem. Uh, when selecting him to lead the Manhattan's uh, project laboratory. Or some say that the need of his services outweighed the concerns. That's a fair debate. Maybe Groves oh. saw Oppie as his dark knight. We, um, <laughs> are you going to drop in Christopher Nolan jokes throughout the whole thing? Uh, <clears throat> because uh, we did another episode uh, called Operation Paperclip. The whole thing of which is about whether or not the need for somebody's services can outweigh your concerns about their ideology. Which maybe they used Oppenheimer as a, as a case study for that, right? They, maybe. maybe they like referred to say, hey, we use this guy, why not? Hmm. Maybe. I don't know that for a fact. It sounds right. It sounds right. In uh, 46, the U.S. formed the Atomic Energies Commission, the AEC, uh, to oversee the country's nuclear weapons program. Uh, Oppenheimer used his position on the commission to argue for more control over uh, of nuclear weapons against uh, the inception of the hydrogen Oh, here bomb. we go. Here we go. He's, you know what? He's one of these. Uh, I get it. Yeah, Christopher Nolan. He's one of these uh, um, nuclear weapons control uh, people. One of these liberals, soft on these things. You know, because you know the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a nuclear weapon is a good guy with a nuclear weapon. Exactly. Atomic exactly. bombs don't kill people. People. Yep. Do. Uh, which, uh, yeah, first stage bomb was uh, tested it for the first time in 52. Uh, was it 52? I can't remember. It says in the script, Seamus, what? that you gave me yesterday. I know, but what what did they tell us in episode 8? You know, the birth of Bob and all that stuff. Was that 52? You don't remember that episode? Come on, the Woodsman and the, the convenience store? No? Okay. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was 52. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'll have to watch it again now. Mm. Uh, our beloved uh, OG. You, watch it on you have to watch it in in the right place. Oh, absolutely! Right from my mind too. Mm. Uh, our, three turn peaks. Get you wonder what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, three turn. Uh, our beloved OG of OPP was uh, was opposed to 
pursuing the hydrogen bomb, the super bomb, uh, citing that it was a thousand times more powerful than the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, I like that he thinks he, that's a reason not to develop it. Where the meanwhile the right. military are getting erections, you know, a thousand times more powerful than Hiroshima. <laughs> develop it now, faster. <laughs> Go on. Tell me, go more. More. <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. Will it blow up Russia? <laughs> uh, he would raise concerns for potential destruction um, that an arms race uh, to build big, bigger, uh, bigger and bigger bombs would unleash. Boy. Uh, as our night, dark night rises, uh, he gains a following of other cons uh, concerned folks. Mm. Uh Businessman and pants enthusiast Louis Strauss uh, would become chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission. Is in the same guy? Yep, that's him. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, the, that's the jeans guy. Yep. Oh, okay. uh, he was not a not a fan of our old Oppie, my Warhammer pal, uh, in his sudden distaste for her bombs. So the Duke of Denham called for a security hearing to investigate Oppenheimer's loyalties. Uh, this was at the height of the second Red Scare when uh, Senator Joseph Hader of the Red Wings, McCarthy, held uh, hearings to expose uh, supposed communists and suburbans. Mm. Sure, he wasn't a fan of red lights either. Um, mm. Now, before you take an intermission, let's bring uh, good, on good. our returning, thank you, a returning champion to the mix. Oh, I got to find him. And you're going to be one of three people at this stage. There he is. J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the All FBI. Right. Hoover uh, would spearhead the investigation to Oppenheimer's background and association. In a letter to the AEC, Hoover stated, we are dealing with a man who, in addition to bringing his security risks, is a political liability. Hmm. So right out of the gate, you know, Hoover's fucked this guy, right? Political liability. So, well, yeah. we don't want him for political reasons. We want him for his numbers crunching, right? Yeah. Uh, Hoover is already aware of J-Op. Uh, and his left leanings. He looked at him before over concerns uh, what would be uh, now called as the Cavalier sure. Incidents. The Chevalier Incident. Chevalier. Goddamn, I knew I'd sort of butcher somebody's name. I it's it's actually hit. the same word as Cavalier, but in a different yeah. language. It's the same word. Really? Yes, it means horseman. Interesting. Horseman. Horseman, yeah. Uh, Chevalier so is the French word for a horse. Hakon? Am I getting that right? Hakon Maurice? I don't know what it's Chevalier? first Hakon. Maurice Chevalier. H Maurice Chevalier was also a very famous French singer, who obviously is not this guy. That's Oppenheimer. Oops. Oh, damn it. I'm feeling every That's, way. That's uh, H. Maurice Chevalier. Maurice Chevalier, huh? as, as far as I know, he was a French singer who had a song, and he went to the top of the charts in like the 60s <laughs> or something with a song called Thank Heaven for Little Girls because they turn into women. And that was back when you could do that. Yeah. Thank heaven for little girls. And uh, yeah. that's a real story. But that's obviously not this guy. This guy's not a it's not yeah that's, on, that's, that's, trouble. that's trouble anyways uh, this uh, gentleman was an american writer translator and professor of french literature okay at the university of california berkeley uh he met oppenheimer in 37 at berkeley uh, while he's associate professor of romance languages uh together oppenheimer if nobody knows is a super well-read dude just just super curious about everything just super yeah. smart guy but, you know not just Phys physics and sciences. Apparently, he got that from his domestic life, from his parents. Yeah, who were intellectuals, and also had a very keen sense of aesthetics and art and literature and so on. Yeah, uh, but seemed to wear the same shit all the time. Anyways, <laughs> fashion of you know. Anyway. Uh, together, uh, Chevrolet 
<laughs> and and, and uh, Chevelle, uh, Oppenheimer uh, found Berkeley uh, branch of teachers union. And well, what? Did you, I'm and, sorry. Did you say the U word? Yep, the union. They founded the union together. <laughs> yep, uh, which sponsored benefits uh, from love causes. Uh, Himself and this Chevalier guy set up a union. Yep, for Berkeley. What could be more communist? Teachers union. Evil. Yes. Right? Uh, it's either that we're not sure if it's either January or February, but around that time in 1943, right in the middle of the war. Uh, yep. Uh, Chevelle, uh, had a, uh, yeah. I'm just going to say his name different every time. Though. Why don't you say uh, his name? Brief conversation. Stop correcting you. Like, <laughs> you pronounce it any way uh, you yeah. want. Sorry. Yeah. You know what? He's uh, American. So he might actually have pronounced that Chevalier. Chevalier. I'm just reading it as Chevalier because Chevy. I mean, that's a French word. Yeah. Chevalier. Chevy. Chevy. That's even better. Chevy. Chevy. Hey, Chevy. So Chevy. I uh, had a brief conversation with Oppenheimer in his kitchen uh, uh, at his home. Uh, Chevy told uh, Oppenheimer that uh, there was a scientist named George L. Eltington. You got to put your name too. Uh, who also, I believe, he got he was a British scientist who got in trouble for okay. messing with the, the Soviets, but that uh, he could transmit information of technical nature to the Soviets. Uh, Oppenheimer rejected his overture, but failed to Wait, record it um, until 43. Is, is Chevalier recruiting Oppenheimer into a double agent scenario? Yes, that's okay. that's the plan. Yep. Thank you. So, uh, so in 43, uh, he finally volunteers to the Manhattan Project that uh, three men at Berkeley uh, had solicited uh, for nuclear secrets on the behalf of the Soviets uh, by a person that he did not know who worked for Shell Oil. Well, it was good to throw them out of the bus. Uh, who had been uh, who had communist connections? So he lied because it was actually Chevalier. Yep. Okay. Uh, he gave the person's name as George uh, Eldington, which you know that part is real. Uh, no, he he pressured met, the issue. He never met Eldington, though. Exactly. Okay. Uh, he pressed on the issue in later interviews in Los Alamos, December of '43, with Groves, who promised to keep the identity of the three men from the FBI. Oppenheimer identified the contact. Who approached him as Chevy, and it uh, seemed uh, Groves had uh, concerns of Oppenheimer, or sorry, seemed Groves had considered Oppenheimer too important uh, to be winning to the war to oust him over any suspicious behavior. He had ordered uh, on uh, twenty the twentieth of July forty three that Oppenheimer would be given security clearance without delay, uh, in respect of, of information which you have concerns, Mr. Oppenheimer. He is absolutely essential to the project. So his big crime so, here really is failing to report. Yep. Meet the meeting, yeah. But failing to report, yep. that's a little bit, that phrase on its own that he failed to report it is a little bit Stalin-y, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a little yeah. troublesome, right? Like he didn't do yeah. anything. He just heard about somebody else doing something. Yep. I don't know. That's uh, not really... No, go on. No, I'm sorry. I just... Uh, oh, I mean, that's not tired, the end of the world. tired maybe, of... Maybe, you're tired of are looking at Chevy, so I'm gonna put another picture okay. of Look at that. So, He's got a hell of a look. Yeah, that's that's older older op. Yeah, so. I hope so. Otherwise <laughs> he's in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so uh up into the hot up to the hammer, uh resigned his position at Los Alamos in forty five. When he left, be warned, if atomic weapons are added as new weapons of war to the arsenal of warring worlds, warring worlds, sorry, uh, the time uh, will come when mankind will curse the names of Los Alamos and Hiroshima. 
Wait a minute. Why is anybody going to curse the name of Hiroshima? <laughs> they didn't they do anything. Yeah, that's, know, a, that's right? a little bit, you know, the time will come when mankind will curse the names of Los Alamos and Hiroshima. That's a little bit of shade on Hiroshima. You know, someone you don't like, just stick them at the end, you know. <laughs> the time has come when the history will curse the names of Adolf Hitler and Seamus. You know, like, <laughs> why am I throwing you into that part? Yeah, really. Mm. I mean, well, I mean, let's, Oppenheimer is not a perfect dude. There's a lot of problems here. We can kind of, yeah. you know, debate that maybe when this, we're done with this, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. uh, later that month, maybe 28 days later, uh, he <laughs> went to Washington. You've, you've gone away from Christopher Nolan movies. You've been into Killian Murphy movies, is it? Uh, uh, maybe. Uh, Oppenheimer met with President Truman. He told uh, the president, I feel as though I have blood on my hands. Truman mm -hmm. replied, the blood was on his hands, in fact, and let me worry about that. Truman, ever the douche, would later uh, refer in a letter uh, about Oppenheimer as a crybaby scientist. Well, I'll say this about Oppenheimer. Of all the problems we have with him and all his faults and failings, I would never describe him as a crybaby scientist. No. If anything, the complete opposite. Uh, fucking Truman, what a piece of shit. Anyways, Oppenheimer's outspokenness against uh, death and mayhem uh, attracted the attention of J. Edgar Hoover, because, you know, that's <laughs> like that. Just, his outspokenness against okay death and mayhem attracted yeah. the attention of the FBI. Wait a minute, this guy's against death and mayhem? <laughs> Does he know about other Americans? Uh, he sent a three-page summary of the FBI files uh, on him to Truman in November '45. Hoover then began uh, began uh, pushing the narrative that Oppenheimer might, in fact, be preparing to defect to the Soviet Union. Is there any course, evidence for that? No. The okay. fact about this time, he began writing about how what a shithole the Soviet Union was, and how it was okay. a failed enterprise. So this so, is all just Hoover's yeah. fevered. He's yep, he just, yeah. Okay. He's just trying to paint this guy as bad as he can. So. Mm. Uh, Hoover approved wiretapping of uh, Oppenheimer's home in Berkeley. Over the next eight years, uh, the FBI uh, file on Oppenheimer would grow, including several thousand pages of wiretap manuscripts, memos, and surveillance reports. Eight years? Yep. After uh, 1945? Yep. Started, well, eight years. Started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Started in 45. Yep. Okay. Uh, or actually, 46. Sorry. Okay. Uh, no, 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 we're still at 45. We're still at 45, 1953, very 1953, just in time yep. for the coup in Iran. But now, yeah, put yeah. things in perspective. Uh, <laughs> but now... Uh, that yanks things out of perspective. Yeah, <laughs> no, I said puts it in perspective. Uh, but now we're into June 46. Uh, two okay. FBI agents dropped by the house of Chevy, and Chevy yeah. was questioned, uh, took him to the levy, uh, about his conversations uh, with Oppenheimer. How did they find out? How did the uh, FBI agents find out about that? I, I'm not 100% sure. But they didn't get it from Groves, right? I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's possible, but, you know, maybe they're just anybody that had connections with them. And obviously, what is it about this conversation think, with Oppenheimer? They must have been known about what happened in the kitchen. Yeah, maybe. Uh, do they know what happened in the kitchen with Dinah, though? I've been wondering. <laughs> so, <laughs> playing on the old banjo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who was that? Who, who was playing the banjo? Well, I don't know, but he was definitely. Uh, engaged with Dinah in the kitchen in some way. Yeah, I know. She's a whore. What the hell? Anyways, uh, sorry. Oppenheimer, yeah, not slut shaming. I'm not slut shaming. Sorry. We don't know. Uh, Oppenheimer, maybe, maybe she loved the guy. She was cheating on the guy that was working on the railroad. Did you listen to the song? <laughs> I've heard different versions. Okay, okay. You listen how you want to. I'm just telling you, that's <laughs> why I took the song. I'm on Team Dinah. Hashtag. 
game time. And it was framed. <laughs> uh, so anyways, yeah, Chevy spills the beans about uh, the discussion with Oppenheimer. Okay. Uh, September, they interviewed uh, Oppenheimer about this, and he admits, yeah, he lied. He fucked up. Okay. He told the agents he had uh, uh, converted the story so earlier in order to protect his buddy Chevy. Okay. So well, Oppenheimer yeah, was now... Yep, but now he's recorded as lying to the military intelligence back in 43. So, yeah, no. Despite the security concerns of Hoover and others, Oppenheimer still held his Q, which is atomic level uh, security clearance, and was chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission uh, General he still Advisory had Committee. Throughout the surveillance, he had all these positions. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay, that's weird. Yep. Uh, okay. Later, it was discovered that the Soviet Union had stolen secrets from Los Alamos. Uh, this opened the door for even more scrutiny about Oppenheimer, right? How because then, I don't know. I I couldn't find it. I'm sure that thing was maybe it's there, but it's a duck's backside. So now, Hoover makes his case uh, against to Jay opt out of war crimes uh, <laughs> with a document uh, that would go on to be called Borden's Letter. Now, on November seventh, nineteen fifty-three, Jay Edgar Hoover sent a letter concerning Oppenheimer by William Leachman Boredom, the former executive of Congress Joint Atomic Energy Committee. In the letter, Borden stated his opinion, based upon years of study of the available classified evidence, there are more probable than not J. Robert Oppenheimer is agent of the Soviet Union. So, uh, it's uh, clear that Hoover saw J. Opt the chill as an issue, uh, you might say that he even saw him as the wind that shakes the barley. Okay. Or something seen through Peaky Blinders. There we go. Just go, yeah. pigs! Anyways. Uh, <laughs> you just went through IMDb, did you? Just... <laughs> That's what I, I, I have some of these films, actually. No. Uh, I haven't seen Disco Pigs. Um, the letter no, uh, was based right. upon... Okay. Uh, what's the one where he's a, a drag queen and Liam Neeson's chasing him? Something on Pluto, maybe? Breakfast? Breakfast on Pluto. Okay, I, I want to see that. I haven't seen it. Anyways, uh, the letter is based on the uh, government's massive intelligence dossier uh, on Oppenheimer. His office and home had been bugged, and his telephone tapped, and his mail opened. No. So we have to say that uh, yeah. we notice. You will notice that there has not been an ad yet, and there nope. will not be. And in era episodes that are not sponsored, we uh, what we do is we put together a top ten. Top 10 claims in Borden's letter. Number one, that there was evidence that up in my mind, not my heart, had made substantial contributions to the Communist Party. Is that true? Is there any evidence that he made any contributions to the Communist Party? Yeah, yeah. He gave lots of money to him. I think that okay, was the cool. first thing. Yeah. Uh, the second claim, which may also be accurate, is that he had family as card carrying members. Well, it is accurate. Yes. Yep. Um, three, he had at least one. <laughs> uh, he had at least one side chick that was a communist. Yep. Well, haven't we all? Um, but he recruited <laughs> members for the Communist Party. Did he do that? Mm -hmm. So far, all these claims are true. Well, he, he recruited for leftist organizations, you could argue. Okay. Again, who amongst us hasn't recruited yeah. somebody for the Communist Party? I mean, that's... I think a lot of it's like an exaggeration, like on the unions and stuff like that. You're basically I, that's how I read it. Into university, right? Exactly. Thank um, you. Okay. He, and the five, doo, 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 he was in frequent contact with Soviet espionage agents. No evidence of that. 
And number six, in May 1942, he either stopped contributing funds to the Communist Party or else made his contributions through a new channel not yet discovered. He definitely stopped. We don't know about the other part. When you say he made his that. contributions through a new channel not yet discovered, that's like saying, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Because you could say that about anybody, anything. I could say Seamus makes contributions to the Wildlife Fund through a new channel not yet discovered, and that just covers right. everything. Uh, number seven, he was responsible for employing a number of communists, some of them not technical, at wartime Los Alamos. I don't know about anything regarding that. I mean, I'm sure so. there was communists in there, but they wouldn't have been Soviet yeah. agents. They would have been communists, like American communists, you know? Right, right. Um, he, uh, number eight, he was a vigorous supporter of the H-bomb program until August 6, 1945, Hiroshima, on which day he personally urged each senior individual working in this field to desist. We'll get into that. Okay. Number nine, he was an enthusiastic supporter of the A-bomb program until the war ended when he immediately and outspokenly advocated the Los Alamos lab be disbanded. I believe that's true. And the last uh, claim in Borden's letter, doo -doo 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 -doo, 10, he has used his potent influence against every major post-war effort towards atomic power development, including the nuclear-powered submarine and aircraft programs, as well as industrial power projects. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Yep. So that's the top 10. The top ten right. claims in Borden's letter, oh. most of which are apparently true, if 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 uh, you you are to be believed, Seamus. Uh, would you like to read the how the letter concluded there? Is this the bonus? Yep. The bonus round is the conclusion of the letter, which says, between 1939 and mid 1942, more probable than not, J. Robert Oppenheimer was a sufficiently hardened communist that he either volunteered espionage information to the Soviets or complied with a request for such information. This includes the possibility that when he singled out the weapons aspect of atomic development as his personal personal speciality, he was acting under Soviet instructions. More probable than not, he has since been functioning as an espionage agent, and more probable than not, he has since acted under a Soviet directive in influencing United States military, atomic energy, intelligence, and diplomatic policy. Severe damning stuff, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty nasty, especially for a guy who's like on the board of the Atomic Energy Commission and. Right. Obviously, he's, he's against it all, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, the contents of the letter uh, were not new. I mean, most of it, right? Uh, some had been known when Oppenheimer was first cleared uh, for atomic uh, war war. Yet, uh, the information had not prompted anyone to seek his removal from government service, despite the lack of significant new evidence. Eisenhower was troubled by the possibility excuse me, that the charges might be true and worried about appearing weak in the environment of McCarthyism. According to... Accordingly, on December 3rd, 1953, Eisenhower ordered a blank wall be placed between Oppenheimer and the nation's atomic secrets. So, they commissioned... Basically, Oppenheimer is the country's atomic secrets. Yeah. So, he's pretty much exiled, right? They have this investigation, the board, these hearings, right? Uh, Oppenheimer's clearance was officially revoked. By a two-to-one vote on the panel, the board rendered its decision on May 27, 1954. 1954, okay. Yep, it found that 20 of the 24 charges were either true ERPs or substantially true. The board found that while he had been opposed to the H-bomb, his lack of enthusiasm for it affected the attitude of other scientists. He had not actively discouraged scientists from working on the H-bomb. Uh, as one charge alleged, right? Uh, there is no evidence that he was a member of the Communist Party in the strict sense of the word, and concluded that he is a loyal citizen. 
It said that uh, he had a degree, had a high degree of discretion, reflection, and unusual ability to keep to himself uh, vital secrets. But he had a tendency to be concerned or at least influenced in conduct for a period of years. What do they mean by coerced? Uh, so I think that's their kind of uh, caveat or explanation. So, well, he sort of was on the side of communism in the beginning, but he's not anymore. He's come to a sense. Coerced by whom, I mean? Oh, by Butcher. The, the one time he actually was coerced, he didn't do anything by Eltonton and Chevalier. Exactly. So, okay. yeah. In 1954, the government revoked his security clearance, making him one of the uh, one of many people blacklisted during this year. With the revocation of his yep, with the revocation of his security clearance, Oppenheimer uh, could no longer serve on the Atomic Energy Commission. Uh, this would end his career working with the government. Okay, uh, Hoover and his G-men kept on uh, OPP for years. Uh, quote: The FBI's investigation of me took place for a span uh, from the spring of '54 through January '56. Which during this time I was continually under surveillance, and my associates were questioned. Uh, Jay Oppenheimer. I'm sure this uh, caused him some insomnia. Yeah. Uh, even though uh, President uh, J.F. Uh, Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, well, uh, awarded Oppenheimer with the Enrico Fermi Award for scientific achievement and leadership in '63, Oppenheimer never regained his security clearance. I uh, continued to speak and write about physics and nuclear technology, uh, but was never seen the same, right? Uh, mm. Until his death in 67 at the age of 62. Mm. It wasn't until December uh, 2022 that the United States Department of Energy, just fucking last year, vacated the decision year. to revoke, yeah, revoke Oppenheimer's security clearance and officially acknowledged that the hearing had been unfair. Oh, good. Nice one. Uh, this was a decision of the scientific. Uh, this decision uh, was pretty much on par with what the scientists and historians had long believed about uh, okay. what the U.S. had done for it. You know, so I think a lot of the time in America, what? like if they, if they call you a communist, they mean you're a Soviet agent. But a lot of American communists yep. don't give a damn about the Soviet Russians or anything. They're just trying to organize okay. workers on the ground. They're union workers and trade unions and socialists and so on. That's the kind of communist they are. They're not like red agents trying to unearth trying to un uh, unbalance the american government or anything they're just trying to get workers right. to unite yeah and i mean it sucks i mean you could pretty much say that this you know this uh reinstatement of his clearance was just you know a post-posthumous memento oh come on you know what i was waiting for that i was waiting for memento and i was thinking how's it <laughs> gonna do it and you did it well done thank you that's good thank you that's thank good you. thank you that's so, good. Uh, I, so I like, I, I, like it, I like it when a script has evidence that like <laughs> somebody put work into it. You know. <laughs> well done. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, the only thing is, I mean, obviously, I think this is kind of addressed in the film, which I've yet to see. I, I do want to see. Uh, did his sudden change in the whole thing about the war, or at least the bomb, was you know genuine, or was it you know something that? You know, he just wanted to like cleanse his own guilt. Did he actually have guilt, or was this idea of well, I'm not going to be the one that's going to be in charge of it? So I think like, every I depiction of him I've seen after the Los Alamos project yeah. uh, could be could be subtitled "A Haunted Man." Yeah. So I'd say he actually felt bad about it. Yeah, I mean, how I haven't seen the movie not. either, by the way. I haven't, so I don't know. Yeah, 
How, how could you not? I, mean, it's, I haven't seen it yet. God damn. No, I'm talking about fucking killing. Guilty. Oh, I'll see the yeah. movie when the illegal streams go from the shaky yeah. cam to the Blu-ray rip. Yeah. yeah? Did you? Uh, I thought I sent this to you. It was on Twitter. Uh, well, before you were on. Twitter. I don't know anything about Twitter. Anymore. Uh, yeah, but uh, they had. Uh, you remember the famous show? Uh, well, you may not remember it, but I'm sure you're aware of this show called uh, "This Is Your Life." Was basically uh, they would have people on there, and they might have like their high school teacher or uh, coach or uh, hmm. you know somebody in their significant in their life, and they'd be behind a screen and they would say something, right? Yes. And, I've seen you know, the English then, version of that. Right. And then we come out. So uh they had so this guy uh survives Hiroshima. Oh and yeah, he is going around talking about how horrible you know mm. it was and you know bombs, nuclear things. Bad idea, right? Mm. So he comes to America and they have him on that show. And they have the pilot of the inaugural gay come out as one of the people. What the fuck? What the fuck, man? Sh should we share that? How long is it? It's only like two minutes tops. Do it. Yeah. All right. So that's the tweet. So everybody can see what uh Kayawasha Tamamato. How's that? Yoshi Tanimoto. All right. Not too bad. So here we go. Man whose second of eternity was woven up with yours, Reverend Tanimoto. Now you've never met him. I've never seen him, but he's here tonight to clasp your hand in friendship. Captain Robert Lewis, United States Air Force, who along with Paul Tibbetts piloted the plane from which the first atomic power was dropped over Hiroshima. So done with that transition music. Captain Lewis, come in here close, and would you tell us, sir, of your experience on August 6, 1945? Well, Mr. Edwards, uh, we left uh, Tinian in the Mariana Islands at about 8, uh, 2.45 in the morning on August the 6th, 1945. Our destination was Japan. We had three targets. One was Hiroshima, one was Nagasaki, one was Kokura. About an hour before we uh, hit the coastline of Japan, we were notified that Hiroshima was clear. Therefore, Hiroshima became our target. Just before 8.15 a.m. Tokyo time, Tom Ferriby, a very able bombardier, carefully aimed at his target, which was the second Imperial Japanese Army headquarters. 8.15 promptly, the bomb was dropped. We turned fast to get out of the way of the deadly radiation and bomb effects. First was a big flash that we got, and then the two concussion waves hit the ship. Shortly after, we turned back to see what had happened. And there in front of our eyes, the city of Hiroshima disappeared. Now you entered something in your log at that time. As I said before, Mr. Edwards, I wrote down later, my God, what have we done? And so, Reverend Tanimoto, you on the ground, and you on your military mission, Captain Lewis, in the air. Jesus, that is a rough watch. I mean, what the fuck, man? That is That's rough, fucking man. gross. So, apparently, the the army put this guy up to doing it because they were trying to discredit him going around and 
and doing propaganda, anti-nuclear propaganda. How fuck? How fucking gross is that? How gross is that? It's a rough watch. How does that guy not punch him? You know what I mean? How could you not punch that guy? It's not his fault. Uh, yeah, he should have said no. If he felt that's so bad about doing that, he should have said no. I'm not. I think. Um, so gross. I think the, the the standard war protocol is you don't hold soldiers accountable for the decisions of their orders. You hold the guys sure. who gave the orders accountable. I don't know, man. If even if it's like war crimes, apparently that's what they do, isn't it? They put the generals on trial, or they put the guys who made the decisions. I don't know. I don't know how you not take something out on that guy. I mean, he's taking it one step further by coming on there and talking about it like so much. Well, at least he has yeah. the decency to look upset. He wasn't yeah. saying like, "Hey," you know. He was like, and then we, <laughs> I looked back and I was like, "Oh Jesus," you know, like yeah. that's something. It's not I don't know. I don't like any of it. It's fucking. I don't, like, I don't like it either. No. Hey, let's talk about something else. That whole thing was shady as balls. <laughs> yeah. You know that the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, and that was supposed to be the revenge attack, right? The Japanese attacked oh, a yeah. military target, thousands of miles away from the mainland. Yep. And the Americans, in revenge, dropped an atomic weapon on a concentrated civilian population on the mainland of of Japan. It's fucking war crime. And there'd be people there who'll think who'll tell you, oh no, it had to be done. No, it didn't. The Japanese were going to surrender anyway because of Stalin. Yep. Yep. They were terrified yep. of Stalin, as indeed anybody who Stalin look in the direction of Stalin should be. Yep. Not just one bomb, two. We dropped two bombs. Two, yeah. And the same conditions of surrender are the same conditions uh, we agreed to before both bombs. Yep. And their first the, the, the reaction of the Japanese top brass, apparently, um Tojo and the other guy, whatever his name was, I forget his name. He was um was to be kind of not that bothered by it because Tokyo and a lot of their cities have been subject to pretty blanket firebombing yeah. for a long time before they dropped the atomic bomb. And when when they when somebody told them that oh they dropped this atomic bomb in Hiroshima, Hiroshima has been decimated, they were just like kind of oh it must be Tuesday, you know. It was yeah. only afterwards they realized that what you're gonna get now is cancer for fifty years. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody knew what they did or what they really did until afterwards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not a few people will really understand. The whole thing was shady as balls, man. Don't let anybody tell yeah. you it had to be done. Don't let anybody tell you that they had to do it because yeah. the Japanese are animals and they don't have any word for surrender. All this racist horse shit. You mean everything that Truman said about it, yeah. Yeah. And by and, and him <laughs> like practically masturbating, you know, about the news yeah. of it being dropped. Oh my god. What's the fucking gross? You I have mean, no words for surrender. Can... Yeah, they're not you can, animals. You can, make, you, know? you can make by the by that decision yeah. alone might make him the worst. They were fascist though. They were fascist. Oh, expansionist. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of problems with the yeah. Japanese leadership at that time. Not but cool. Yeah, blowing up civilians is not the way to handle that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anywho, well, that, that's our, that's that's the Oppenheimer script. So now I guess yeah. we can drift on to the uh, what happens now part. <laughs> What's new? Sorry. Okay. What's new? Uh, just before every podcast, I put CIA into Google and hit the news tab, and Seamus puts FBI into Google and hits the news tab. Uh, then we pick two or three stories we think might be interesting or funny. Uh, we haven't told each other what these stories are, so we're hearing for the first time now, uh, just like you. So, Seamus, will we do FBI or CIA first? Uh, your call, bud. Oh, we'll go first today. Okay. I have two stories. 
Uh, this is from the Times of Israel. It says, new JFK documents reveal assassins CIA monitor was Jewish spy Reuben Efron. And the first what? paragraph is, I know, right? There's just a lot to unpack there. Um, for decades, armchair analysts scrutinizing the mysteries of former US President John F. Kennedy's assassination have fixated on who exactly opened his future assassin's mail while he was under CIA surveillance ahead of the shooting. And it goes on to talk about this Jewish guy, which I guess is why the Times of Israel is interested in the story. Yeah, right. Look at that. If that sounds sufficiently niche for you, then you should check that out. Um, another one is Biden's elevation to cabinet of CIA director William Burns is a positive okay. sign for US national security. Is this and it's written by a guy whose uh, real name is apparently uh, Main Prize. Like, that's his real name, who wrote this piece, not who's anything to do oh, with the story. He just wrote this. He's the writer. Last month, the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, William Burns, who has who has starred in pretty much every What's New for the last six yeah. or seven episodes because he's doing a tour of the world, meeting people in China and Libya and Israel. Anyway, last night, this guy called William Burns, last month, I was elevated to a position in President Biden's cabinet. Um, the move is a victory for human intelligence human intelligence, and reflects President Biden's more agreeable relationship with and trust in the CIA compared with many of his predecessors. While it might not lead to greater influence on US foreign policy by the CIA, the move does potentially strengthen the White House's ability to predict and react to foreign conflicts and threats. And that's something you should look up if you think that might be interesting to you. That's my stories. OK. Uh, the FBI looking like this week? I got three FBI, and I got one honorable mention. So. Fantastic. Yeah. So there's this there's just been this shooting uh, involving the FBI at Oregon some time ago, and the FBI is trying to close it out. But I guess that there there's a lot of calls for investigation, and it's still okay. We might have mentioned this before. I'm not sure, uh, but this is back in uh, looks like August of 2019, and it's still there's still some uh, questions that have been answered. Hmm. Uh, there's a call for new limits that should be placed on U.S.'s use or FBI's use of U.S. foreign spy data, uh, okay. which is a recurring theme that we've addressed. For foreign spy data. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is also going to sound interesting and might be a future episode. After his mother asked uh, for help, FBI terrorist sting targets mentally ill teen. She said that two FBI informants groomed her son, uh, then waited until a day on his 18th birthday to spring a trap and arrest him for terrorism. Ah, we have spoken about FBI entrapment before. Yep. So, uh, people into doing crimes. Yep. I don't know if to share the screen about this because I'm just kind of, sure. yeah, I think I'm going to. So, uh, we did this thing recently. We watched the film. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, but yeah, we had some uh, not so good things to say about everybody involved. We did. We and, trashed uh, it. We trashed everybody uh -huh. involved with it. And uh, hey, uh, looky, I uh, hate Marta. to be hate to be happy about a crime, but uh, you know. Oh, the headline the says uh, "Sound of Freedom" funder Fabian Marta arrested for child kidnapping, and then the subtitle uh -huh. says the 51-year-old Missouri Mazora resident was charged in late July after apparently contributing to the film about child sex trafficking. Well, now, that doesn't that yep. add up? Isn't that about the size of it? So projection much? I don't know. Interesting. Well, it's come to the stage where if, if you see somebody like calling somebody else a groomer, I'd start more. I'd start. I wouldn't let kids around that person. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure more shit's going to fall from them. 
because there's From the a, sound of freedom. Yeah, there's a no lot. No doubt. There. Yeah, I mean Tim Tim Ballard's a scumbag. So yeah. is that is that our episode? I think that's our episode, folks. Okay. So uh, we'll be here like yep. next week. It'll be your episode, Barry. In two CIA weeks episode. or next week? Uh, two weeks. In two weeks. Cool. We'll be which doing. One, which one of mine is up next? You want me to tell them, or do you want to tell them? Do you know? Uh, which one is it? Mongoose, isn't it? Oh, Operation Mongoose. Yeah, you like it. Don't worry. Yeah. All righty, folks. Until then. Thank until you. Later.